Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, hit it shot. Oh, baby, what a play. This is Jeff Fedoni with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team and KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and I analyzed the Chiefs' loss to the Lions, previewed Sunday's game against the Jaguars, and discussed the return of Chris Jones. Joe, I've been waiting to do this. I'm so excited to pick your brain because you know offensive line play so well, played it at the highest level for the Chiefs. Um, during the NBC broadcast of the Lions-Chiefs game, Chris Collinsworth repeatedly said how Juwan Taylor was lined up offside. Joe, was he? And what's your take on this? Well, Jeff, it's there's a little bit of gray area when they're lining up because the rule states that the offensive lineman on the end of the line of scrimmage's helmet has to break the waistline of the center. Okay, uh-huh. that's like a that's like a general rule. And and just to throw that out there, when I look at it. Now, unless Chris Collinsworth, with all due respect, unless he was like right on the line of scrimmage, it is so hard sometimes from the camera angles, especially probably the ones that they get in the booth, to to really see where Juwan's helmet was. Mm-hmm. Was he pushing it a little bit? Was he maybe on the butt, you know, uh, of of the center? I mean, he could have been on Creed's. Creed Humphrey's butt, like right on his the edge of his his pants, and 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 you know where you know where his where he, the bend in the center's body, right? That's like a the center, you know, as he bends his legs and his butt and back make like a C, right? I mean, it's so hard to tell unless you're right on the line of scrimmage looking down, and that's where the line judges are, right? So, I am sure that if they felt like these these are all professional referees, if they would have felt like he was getting an advantage and he was lined up way in the back that they would have said something first probably to Andy Reid, who would have said something to Andy Heck, or they would have said something to Juwan directly or maybe gone out to the offensive captain, maybe gone to the quarterback and said, hey, your quarterback's line or your, uh, your tackle's lined up, you know, too far back. And, you know, he's, he's, almost, he's almost creating an, an ineligible receiver situation for the guard, right? That, that's what, like, it looks like when the tackle lines up that far back. I mean, look, these guys aren't – they're not short. They're all tall. They're all six feet six, five, seven, right, plus guys. And it's going to get a little gray out there. So I think if you're a lineman and you can push it to the limit till you get warned, you go ahead and take every advantage you can because, you know, you're not breaking the rules until you are, right? And I'm not saying you try to break the rules or, you know, you know me, I'm never a guy that wants rules to be broken or, you know, players to get hurt because of it or whatever. But listen, if you're abiding by the rules and the officials haven't said anything to you and you're waiting for that sort of warning, so to speak, then tell them, right? I mean, um, you tell the quarterback, call the penalty, call it, right? And then I'm sure Juwan would have moved up on the ball. So I don't know. I, 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 I got to say, was he? He definitely was pushing the limit. I'm not there. I'm not going to pull any punches about that, Jeff. He was he was absolutely pushing the limit. He didn't get called. So it's not a penalty until it is. I'm going to just leave it at that and, and know that it was an offensive lineman trying to get every advantage against a premier pass rusher and lining up to what he thought was was legal. 
and I assume, Joe, why that would be beneficial. Obviously, you can't do this and it would get to a point you're kind of running into a quarterback. But just saying, like, we were in a vacuum, man on man, the farther back the in, in offensive lineman, if you give yourself, you know, four yards off the ball, you stand a pretty good chance of being able to block anyone if you're an NFL lineman, right? It's just you had that that space. Talk about the advantage that the, the extra distance would give. It's all about angles. Mm-hmm. It's all about angles, right? You, I'm gonna, The best analogy I can think of is think of like a goalie when they come out of the net in hockey or in soccer and they they try to come out, right? Think about when, when, it, when a goalie comes out, the goal gets a lot smaller to the shooter, right? Soccer, hockey, you know, any kind of net sport like that. When the goalie comes out, they be, they get closer, so the angles become greater uh, towards the net, correct? Mm-hmm. Right to the post. So you lose shot area, and the more you come out, it exponentially it starts getting exponential, mm-hmm. right? It's not just a one to one ratio; it gets exponential. That the further you come out, like let's use this silly example: if you're on the if you're in the half line of a, of an ice rink, right on the red line of an ice rink. And, and you have to shoot from there. And the goalie stands in the in the goal. He's got quite a bit of space between him that you could shoot at, right? Now, granted, you're really far away when you're at the half center ice, right? But think about, picture this in your mind's eye. As the goalie comes out towards you, he gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the net gets smaller and smaller because he starts taking up more. And he it would get to the point where if the goalie went out to like the blue line or, or 10 feet in front of, of the shooter in hockey at the, at the mid ice line, he basically can't score because mm-hmm. there's nowhere for the puck to go. So I know that was a really long analogy, but I, that's the kind of stuff that the physics and the angles that go into it. So now I want you to picture a right tackle and I want you to picture a rusher lined up and the, and the quarterback is ultimately going to be, let's say somewhere between five to seven yards back, right? Depending on the drop. So as you cut that angle, as you get deeper and deeper, you're kind of blocking where the defensive end can go, right? And you've got less space to cover. If you've got a speed rusher like Aiden Hutchinson or Derek Thomas, right? For our Chiefs listeners and Chiefs fans, right? Or you've got, you know, a George Karloftis who's speedy off the corner you're going to want to cut that angle down mm-hmm. and you're going to want to, you're going to want to be able to get to that junction point faster and make that same analogy for the goalie in ice hockey. You want to be big in front of that area. So you're giving the the shooter air quote, the pass rusher, you're giving him less angle and less places to go. And you're just making yourself bigger. And, and it's a technique that John Alt was a master at it. at six foot eight. He could get his legs kicked back and he could have his head, right on Grunny's, you know, rear end, right? And he could actually be like leaning back with his legs and forward with his head. And John was so darn tall at 6'8", that he he could really line up uh, deep because he was so long. And I think that's what Juwan was taking advantage of. He was taking advantage of his height. And I, you know, I just think it gives an offensive tackle that much more, uh, you know, of an advantage. So, you know, hats off to to Juwan for, you know, playing within the rules that was given to him. I, I you know, I, it definitely gives the pass rusher a disadvantage and the and and the pass protector an advantage. It's all about angles, and you know, next time you're watching, you know, next time you're watching the Chiefs game, listeners, just 
watch how the tackle lines up and watch the footwork that they use to kind of make that uh, space smaller for the defensive end. Because, you know, you get a speedy rusher and you're not back far enough and it takes you one extra kick to get there and he can just zoop, go right around you. Um, and it's, it's a lot easier to do that. What Juwan was doing was he was making it easy for both ways. He was making it easy to, to protect against the speed rush. It's very easy if you're lined up deep to push a guy back into the pile. Mm -hmm. So if Aiden Hutchinson would have angled up and then said, oh man, Juwan Taylor just took away my outside rush. I'm going to cut back inside to try to get inside of him. It's pretty easy for a tackle to push him into the pile. So you're, you're really creating an advantage on both sides of the rush, both the outside speed rush and also the inside rush. When you're that deep, you can just push him in, especially when you get a guy like Aiden Hutchinson that lines up really wide, mm -hmm. right? He's lining up really wide. Great stuff there, Joe, especially with the analogies. And, of course, Juwan Taylor on Sunday will go against the team uh, that drafted him, Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm sure Doug Peterson, is. he knows his game. He knows that he – he plays it close to the line, or actually, uh, you far from the line if you want to take it literally, <laughs> not figuratively. I'm sure he's going to be in the referees or the line judge's ear and just say, "Watch him, watch him." Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if they um, how it's going to be officiated. Coaches um, are do are good at doing that all the time, Jeff. They're, yeah. they're, Marty was a master. Marty would actually ask us. Coach Schottenheimer would ask us, like, "What tendencies do you see out on the field?" Mm -hmm. Does the center bob his head to try to jump you off sides? Does the quarterback shake his shoulders? Does the long snapper raise his head and raise his hands to try to get you to jump off on a short punt? And Marty was always taking he, – he never didn't overdo it. He didn't go – you know, you could go in there with a laundry list of 100 things. Watch this, watch that. Right. Marty would pick two or three things that were critical to the game, and he would always, always go up to the officials and say, hey, Mr. Official, watch you know, Elway. When Elway used to do the hard count, he would always shrug his shoulders. And they say, hey, we need you to watch that. And, ref and you know, if, and the officials will. If you do it in a polite way and you don't give them a giant list of, you know, 30 things, you give them mm -hmm. two, three things to watch, they'll keep an eye on things. Pick your battles, yeah. Smart coaching tactic, I'm sure Peterson will use. A little more on the Lions uh, wrap-up and also, again, previewing Jaguars game and talking to Chris Jones. But first, football is back and bet online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Joe, um, we were texting, speaking of offensive line play and Juwan Taylor, we were texting throughout the, the game, the opener against the Lions, and you kind of pointed out uh, Joe Tooney's struggles. What did you see, and did he eventually kind of settle in later in the game? He did. What, what I was seeing out of Joe was um, a bull rush that, you know, he's usually pretty stout. He's obviously uh, one of the smaller offensive linemen. So I'm sure that every defensive lineman who's of size goes into the game thinking, well, who's the, who's the player that I'm going to bull rush, right? And a bull rush is basically 
where as a defensive lineman, you can do it at the end or the defensive tackle. Your job is to get inside your hands inside of the offensive lineman, get into his chest and cause him to hop back. Right. Because think about it. It's anytime somebody's coming at you, you try to stop them. If, if they're going to bull rush you, they're just going to try to basically run you over and lift you into the quarterback. It's a great technique for disrupting a pocket without losing your um, leverage. So think about it this way. Think about picture the left tackle spot and picture a, gu a guy right over Joe Tooney. Okay. And Patrick Mahomes is lined up basically, like I said earlier, somewhere between, you know, four to let's say seven yards behind the center. Joe Thune's very close, right? To that because he's a left guard. So, so when, when he starts getting pushed back, if, if, if the defensive lineman is pushing you backwards and he's gotten leverage on you, you as a defensive lineman still have two ways to go. If you try a big move, whether it's there's a, something called a swim move where you smack the guard's shoulder and then you literally swim your arm over top of their head. Think about that. If the guard gets you and catches you with your arm in the air and he starts pushing you to the way that you swam, air quote swam, okay, that think about the alley that that opens up for the quarterback, right? Because now the defensive tackle has given his right side up if he's going left and the quarterback can just slide right up into that part of the pocket. So what, what the, what the lions were doing is they were singling up um, the left side of the line and they were going, they were putting the protection. So Creed was sliding the protection to the right to Trey Smith and Juwan, right? So as he's doing that, that means that Joe Tooney and the right and the left tackle. Now they're on an Island by themselves, right? Because it's four guys, five five offensive linemen blocking four defensive linemen, right? So the center is going to go one way or the other, and he usually declares that side. So he's probably telling the team, right, right, right. He goes right. Now Joe Tooney knows he's got a singled up with the D tackle, and we got a single up on the left tackle. That's when a bull rush is a great move because you got no help from Creed. Okay, if you know if you know you're being singled up with a with an offensive lineman, bull rush is a great technique because if you think that the center is coming your direction, you don't want to bull rush because you know what that means? You get a helmet right in your ribs. Because think about that. I'm pushing on Joe Tooney, right? I'm pushing, 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 trying to push him into Patrick Mahomes. All of a sudden, Creed, earlier on in the play, he dictates, I'm going left, left, left. Well, we used to say, sauce him up. And what that meant was sauce up the ribs, Cause I'm having some barbecue and I'm taking, and I'm, I'm putting my face mask right into those ribs. So Grunny, like as a center, like we tell the guards, man, sauce them up, sauce them up. So that meant sauce up those ribs, like hold him there because you watch when centers they'll come and they will nail that defensive tackle right in the ribs and, and just waylay them. So there's a little trick, little term that our, our listeners are, uh, have now you can picture what you hear Creed Humphrey next time. You see him slide to protection. He's probably telling Trey or Joe, he's like, sauce him up because I'm coming your direction and I'm going to hit the guy on top of you, that's on you. So anyway, that was like a long little analysis there of pass rushing and pass protection. But but that's what was happening to Joe is he was getting singled up without help from, from Creed, which was allowing a bull rush to happen, which was pushing him into the quarterback. Now, the thing that gets you as a pass protector when you're getting bull rushed is you start to 
get the technique, right? Like once you get bull rushed once, twice, you start to lock your legs out, you, you, you hunker down and, and you become more stout. But when you do that, Jeff, now you leave yourself vulnerable to a pull or a swim or a rip, right? Because think about it. You're trying to hunker down against that bull rush, right? That guy's really pushing you uh, and he's pushing you. Now you're trying to push against him. It makes you very vulnerable to a big move and they can either throw you down or they can swim over top of you or rip underneath you. And so you have to, you have to watch that when a lineman's getting bull. Cause I, I texted you that I said, you watch what's going to happen is Joe's going to get bull, 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 three pass plays in a row. And then all of a sudden He's going to get lit, you know, pulled into complacency with that bull rush, and then the defensive tackle is going to put a big move on him, and he did. He did. Remember, we were going back and forth, and he almost got to Patrick. So that's the kind of stuff that that goes on, and and that's what I saw out of at what was happening with Joe. Now he recovered. He, you know, he's listen. He's been doing this a long time, a lot longer than I ever did, and a lot longer than most offensive linemen. And he's, you know, pretty darn good at what he does. So he's going to adjust. But it took a little time for him to adjust, and and that I think comes that probably comes back from you know our old uh, September is the new preseason, right? When's the last time Joe's been bull rushed? You know he played X amount of snaps in the preseason, you know, and and you know didn't really do a lot in the in the, in the preseason. So you know I think he'll get his sea legs under him and and he'll be fine. Yeah, it was a gr- great call by you. How. Uh, uh... That that was gonna happen. Great, uh, you're just like Sweeney Romo who's stealing your lines. You're just like Romo calling out the 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 next uh, the next play there, like he used to do. Um, Joe, there was so much talk uh, before before we move on to the Jaguars. There's so much talk about Kadarius Tony. Obviously, he really struggled. Three very obvious drops, and there was a narrative that said, "Oh, there's two things I I took issue with." Yeah, he absolutely struggled. He was absolutely go to the game, you get kind of lost the Chiefs the game. But one, you have to remember the last game he played in, he really won the game, I thought, for the Chiefs. He had the longest punt return in Super Bowl history, and he also scored a touchdown. That punt return totally changed the momentum. So if you're going to kill him on one thing, you have to remember what he's done for them. And then I, I don't like the narrative, well, you know, if Kadaris Tony never played, never suited up, um, and the Chiefs win – well, yeah, kind of, but if you games aren't played in a vacuum, if you say that, then you have to say, you know, if Marvin Jones doesn't play for the Lions, the Lions might win. He had a terrible game. He had a drop. He had that fumble uh, that they were in, in scoring range and a great play by Trent McDuffie to knock it loose. So you have to have it um, both ways. You know, my last thing on the Tony point, you know, I, I, I think, too, that Andy Reid accepted some blame for this. Um, one, because that's the type of thing Andy Reid does. He always defends his players. But uh, but I think there's some legitimacy in that. You know, Tony missed the entire summer, missed all of training camp. Had like a He practiced the week leading into the game, but maybe they shouldn't have had him in there that much. You know, he was clearly, like we said, September is the new preseason. He was clearly rusty. He was in April. <laughs> he wasn't even like he was he was at OTAs like this like we should have to say for Kadarius Tony September is the new OTAs right but listen you know that's what that's that's it right i mean it, it, think about think about like the last time he's gone live and look 
I know we talk about this a lot. We say we we've said this before on on the pod. We've said that at least for, from a specialty positions, receiving a little bit of running back, like you can do a lot of what we used to call skeleton drill, right? Seven on seven or whatever you want to call it, pass, you know, period or whatever, whatever teams call it for their practice session. Whenever you're just doing pass, but let me tell you something. Until you hear the footsteps of of a of a of a 245 pound linebacker or a 210 pound rock solid strong safety you you're you're not practicing right like until until you are in the game going full speed with a guy you know jamming you at the line you're trying to find the zone you're trying to you're listening you know you're trying to figure out whether it's zone whether it's man and and you you don't hear those footsteps of those guys that are going to take your head off when you know you catch one over the middle, I, you're not really practicing. So I'm gonna, just going to give a little bit of credit back to Kadarius and say, look, he just didn't. I mean, it's going to take a while for these guys to get themselves, you know, some sea legs under them. To overuse that term again, like it's just going to take a bit until they really get the game speed. Um, and the game feel for what it's like to to be physical and to take hits when you catch balls. So, I I you know I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, just like you, Jeff. I think he you know he won us helped win us the Super Bowl was a huge part of that. Players are going to have bad games. You know you could go back and look at a million things. So there was an old football coach. I can't believe I can't remember from the old NFL films days when I was a kid on you know Saturdays and Sundays watching. And the one coach when he did a a presser one time. He was like, if, if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. It might've been Marv Levy. I can't remember, but like, I think it, you was, know, I think it was, it was Marv, wasn't it? But it's like, look, it, it's so true, right? I mean, if, 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 if you don't do this and, you know, a couple of things to think about, you know, Monday morning quarterback, I mean, you know, maybe Andy needs to stop being so fancy. Maybe on third and two, he doesn't need to run a jet sweep. And maybe Patrick, maybe Patrick needs to run a tush push like Jalen Hurts does, or put in another quarterback or put in a tight end that can take a snap and do the tush push and and just jam the the, the third and one down somebody's throat with a quarterback sneak. So Too, too cute there for sure, Joe. You um, know, and, and, and that's okay. I get it. I get it. It's a great offense. I'm not being critical of Andy. Look where he's gotten us and, and look what the lab that he's created with his team and how creative they are. But at some point, <laughs> you need a fullback. You know, you need a fullback, run an ISO, and you need to split the A gap, and you need the fullback to go through and hit the Mike linebacker under the chin, and you need to run a dive on third and one. Like, I mean, that's just that's football. So, you know, there's all those kind, there's all those things you can look at when you go back. But man, in in the heat of the battle, it's not easy to call those games. You're trying to you're trying to think two, three, five plays ahead, and and you know you're you're trying to get your best eleven out there on both sides of the ball. Look, nobody's expecting this team to go 17 and out. We want them to, but nobody's expect nobody was ever expecting them to. And and if this is what it takes to get this team a wake up call, let's see how they come out and react against the uh against the Jags. Great segue there, Joe. We're gonna take a brief pause here. Uh Joe, the, the Jaguars matchup is gonna be in- interesting. We always talk about offensive line on this podcast for obvious reasons. But I really think that's that's the thing to look at. The Juwan Taylor thing, he was such, uh, you know, uh, his lining up was such a uh, uh, a major issue. In the last game, it's going to be interesting to see how that's officiated. Of course, going against his old team, that's 
really interesting. And also the Jaguars not only lost Taylor from last year uh, at tackle, they also are without Cam Robinson, who's suspended for four games. So he's out. So I really think how the how they can hold up against the Chiefs uh, pass rush with um, especially with Chris Jones back, which we'll talk about. That's that's what I'm looking for in this game. I think it's also going to be really challenging because it's it's week two in Jacksonville and it's going to be hot. It's going to be humid. We all know that Andy Reid runs a very difficult training camp, and this might be a, a test of that to see how they um, can hold up. I think it's going to be a tough game. They have to play the Jaguars. This is the third time they played them in a year's in a twelve month in, in less than twelve months. Always tough to beat a team three times. Um, and, and, and Joe, that uh, so all those things I'm kind of uh, looking for in in this game. Um, and Joe, what, how do you see it shaping up? What, what is, what is your, uh, what is your take? Well, I think the Jags are absolutely a team on the rise. I'm looking at the schedule. They had like six or seven straight wins. Were, I mean, they, yeah. After, and it was kind of after they played the Chiefs after, last year in the middle of the season, they really kind of turned it on. Yeah. They beat the Ravens. They, they did lose to the lions pretty big early December, you know, then the Titans, you know, good team. Cowboys, good team. Jets, eh, you know, last year they were okay. We'll talk, we could probably talk a little bit more about them and the Aaron Rodgers thing. You know, beat the Texans, beat the Titans again, which you know how hard it is. And then they go to the playoffs and they beat the Chargers. I mean, and, and the game against the Chiefs was not a, you know, it was a seven point game. So this is a team. Doug Peterson's a good coach. Trevor Lawrence is coming into his own. I, I, I think this is going to be a really good game. I think the Chiefs, though, there's something that's telling me that that they're gonna they're gonna score a lot of points and they're gonna hold the Jags down. Um, I think Spagnuolo is gonna have a have that defense humming. I think Chris Jones is gonna have something to really prove because he is going to be um, it's gonna be loaded for bear. I mean he he's got a lot to prove right because he he needs to have have a great season. I mean one you know one a one year deal. Based on holding out of camp, I mean, obviously things probably didn't go the way that they wanted to as far as, you know, extending that contract, and we'll see how that goes. But he's going to have to play his butt off <laughs> to get back into the good graces of of the league itself from a, from a you know, free agency perspective, and then also with the Chiefs. So I think he's going to come out just – I mean, he's going to – I think he's going to have an incredible game. Mark, mark my words. I think he's going to – I know he hasn't played, no preseason and all that – but I just have a feeling he is going to come out and he, he's going to be tough to block. Joe, how many snaps do you think realistically he's going to play? He'll have a whole week to practice. How many snaps do you think realistically a guy like that could play, either amount of snaps or percentage? I, I don't think he'll start. I think, I think you're probably right, Jeff. I'm not 100% sure he's going to start, but he's going to get, you know, he's going to get warmed up. Um, I, I would imagine he's most defensive linemen don't play all 60, 70 right, play game, right. plays anyway. So I'd say he's probably going to get 20, 20, 25 plays and he's going to make them count. Um, you know, if anybody watched the Eagles game, um, you know, that was, uh, you know, that was, that was a tough game to watch, um, against the Patriots, but like Fletcher Cox, you know, defensive line is a position where you're a wily veteran you know how to do stuff. And uh -huh. they used, they used Fletcher Cox. He, he was, he played like, I don't know, maybe 10. I didn't have to go look at the official stats and I wasn't really 
keying on him the whole time. But like maybe he played 10 plays, all 10 of them were dramatic and all 10 of them were impactful. So I think that's probably what's going to happen with Chris. They're going to get him in the right spots at the right time. Um, and he's going to he's going to be very impactful in the 15, 20 plays that he plays in this game. Speaking of Fletcher Cox and the Eagles, of course, Doug Peterson coached uh, him, also coached Nick Foles. Joe, the last time the Chiefs played in Jacksonville, Chris Jones had a major impact. He actually knocked out Foles from the game. Foles hurt his shoulder. That was a that was a good Jaguars team, uh, but they they were they had Blake Bortles a quarterback. He was kind of their obvious weak spot. They had gotten Foles in the offseason, thinking that would uh, bring them up a level. Jones played great, totally changed their season um, by knocking him out, former Chief, former Eagles quarterback Nick Foles. So he's had impacts in uh, Jacksonville before. Joe, um, I this was a game that maybe before the season, I was actually thinking, well, the Chiefs, as good as they are, they're going to lose some games. I think – Jacksonville, an up-and-coming team, hard to beat a team three times in less than 12 months. This is the, a game the Chiefs will lose, but, you know, things change. And I think now the Chiefs, having lost the opening game of the Lions, I can't see them going down 0-2 to start the season. They're going to be very motivated. I think they win this in a in a close game. Uh, the line is is three, and I think it will be around then, about around that, you know, maybe 31-27, 31 24 um, uh, Chiefs is, is my call. I, I love it. I, I think it's good. I, I you know, I, I got to say, I think the defense is going to hold them a little bit more than that. And I, I'm, I'm predicting 31 17 Chiefs. I know that's a big score. It's another 14 point game that I thought that they would beat the Lions by. But I just, in my defense, on that 23 or 27 13 score for the Lions, okay, there was a time if everybody recalls where it was tw- the chiefs had 20 and they had the ball and the lions had 14 which was you know and all the chiefs needed to do was score one more touchdown and hold the lions and they would have won 27 uh they would have won yeah they would have won 27 14 and then you know then the wheels came off right with with everything that was going wrong so i mean if the chiefs held the line there i don't think i don't think i was that far off um, and I think I think the Chiefs, like you said, are going to come out very motivated. I, I'm thinking a little bit bigger than I'm, I'm. I'm right there with you with the Chiefs score. I think the Chiefs can put up some points against this team, especially if you know if Travis is back um, and they get him some reps and they you know he can find his sweet spot. I think I think it's more of a, like a 31-17 game, and everybody goes, all right, this is the Chiefs we've been waiting for. This is the reigning Super Bowl champs and you know, look out now. We've we've got the we've shaken the rust off and, and we're ready to go. And great news with Chris Jones coming back, Joe. Before we go, I want to touch on that a little bit. Great news that he's going to be there for you know 16 games, which would used to be what a regular season was. Um, to have him in the fold, he'll he'll get into the mix uh, quickly, I'm sure. But but it's kind of a perplexing thing, and I'm a little bit worried. You know, great. Great from the Chiefs' side that they that they retain the ability to use the franchise tag again, but I'm a little so this is great for the short term. I think the Chiefs are in great shape, especially given how the rest of the AFC, it, it, what we thought was the upper echelon of the AFC: Bills, Bengals, Ravens, with all their injuries, are looking. That could fill a whole another podcast. But back to my uh, main point here about Chris Jones, I'm a little worried. So they can franchise. He, he basically they added incentives. 
for his final year so he can make a little bit more money. But the Chiefs, he he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. The Chiefs have the ability to franchise him again, which they probably will. You know, you want to keep your best players. Um, so I think we're going to go through this again. And, you know, part of me thinks, okay, the salary cap is going to go up. So maybe the Chiefs could pay him even more money to, to satisfy him. But the thing that's weird is if they had just signed him to a long-term contract now, it actually – they could have afforded it by they could have spread it out. They could have made it kind of a backloaded deal. So I'm not sure there's a better chance, you know, next year, even with the cap going up, because any so Joe, what I'm getting at is I'm a little pessimistic. We're gonna enjoy it for now, but I'm a little pessimistic that this means that Jones might not be a chief for life. You know, I I I don't know if if he wants to get the most money he can and Somebody as great as he is, somebody's going to pay him more than thirty million a year. Joe, what's your take yeah, on this situation? I, I'm I'm right there with you, Jeff. I, I I don't think this is good for the Chiefs, to be honest. I, I just don't think it's good for them. Um, I think he, um, I think he. It, well, let's put two scenarios. He has an unbelievable season, right? Like he just goes off the rails and you know leads the team in sacks. And he's the same Chris Jones that we expected him to be. I think that's probably the worst case scenario for, for the chiefs, because I think if that's the case, and especially if that leads to a deep run in the playoffs an AFC championship, a super bowl appearance, a super bowl win, which we're all hoping for as chiefs fans. I think that like, that is the worst thing that could happen. For the Chiefs, I don't think they have a chance in a snowball's chance of retaining him if that happens. If he mm -hmm. if he just has if he now if he has a bad season and he and everybody goes wow man what what was all that what was that all hype about right like people have maybe people have his number they put in some blocking schemes or defensive coordinator or offensive coordinators figure out a way to block him and and run away from him or do whatever and he has a mediocre season. I think that's I think that's bad for everybody, the Chiefs and and Chris Jones, right. because then I, then I don't think he gets the money he really wants. I think this is an audition. I really do. I, I know I know he's got a lot of long history and and a lot of championship and All Pro DNA right there, and that somebody who's desperate is probably going to take a shot. But I don't know. I think if he doesn't have a great year, I think people will just go, "Wow, what, what was that? You know, what was that all about?" Right, holding out. Having a great year, maybe he gets off to a slow start. There's some rust. He's been pretty consistent. I know, I know. I, yeah, I know. We just, yeah, you just got. I know you got to just bring out, bring out all these different scenarios, right? Because it happens. You know, it happens. Sometimes players just don't have a year that you know that they think right. they're going to have, and 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 it could happen. Now, I don't want that to happen, but it could. And it's just going to be interesting to see how it all plays out, right? And and who this is going to be good for, and who it's going to be bad for, but. It is what it is, and we have to deal with it. And the hope is, like you said, let's just take it game by game and, you know, let's get one more Lombardi trophy and then we'll see what happens after that. So, yeah, a lot to watch. I'm going to be writing. My plan is to write about Chris Jones for Forbes.com after the game. And we'll, we, we always watch the the, uh, the play in the trenches, Joe, but I think especially Juwan Taylor against his old team. We've talked so much about yeah. his stance, the Jaguars missing. Cam Robinson and then Chris Jones, um, the return of Chris Jones. All eyes for me on 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 the line uh, play this week. 
Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm anxious to see how Josh Allen plays at middle linebacker or at linebacker. Cause you know, that's going from quarterback to linebacker is, uh, you know, that's pretty wild now. It's just for, for any <laughs> listeners who don't know, there's a Josh Allen is one of the starting linebackers. For the Jaguars it just happens to be his name. It's not actually the Josh Allen who, you know, lost the game last night uh, for Buffalo, but, uh, but another Josh Allen. So it, it was funny when they faced each other. Cause um, I think, like I think Josh Allen, he's been so turnover prone of late. I think Jaguars Josh Allen forced a couple turnovers. So it was who was winning the battle of the Josh Allens? <laughs> Josh Allens. So this Josh Allen for the Jaguars will be someone to watch too. Is um, he's he's a good player. Will be another test for the Chiefs' new tackles, him and um, Trayvon Walker, to see how how that goes. Like you said, watch those tackles. It's going to be it's that's where the the heart of this battle is going to be on the offense i think because we, we, we know how solid we are on the interior part of the line watch the tackles for the chiefs see how that goes and then you know let's count the reps of chris jones and see what he does i think that's another another big storyline absolutely well we'll be watching those tackles and if you enjoyed this show presented by bat online please subscribe we're available on your favorite directories itunes spotify google play luminary and tune in Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Go Chiefs! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.